Young. Welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I'm your host, Darren. And today we're going to be talking about episode six of season four, Double Crosses. Uh, broadcast with all the other episodes on the 26th of May 2013. This episode focuses on George and Oscar. Uh, in the titles, you can hear the guitar, and it was the fourth out of 15 produced. Uh, all episodes are directed by Mitch Hurwitz and Troy Miller, of course, and this episode was written by Richard Rosenstock and Dean LeRae. Uh, both of them have written episodes previously. I think Dean LeRae, season three at least, Richard Rosenstock uh, throughout most of the run of the show. This episode itself runs 30 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, I'd have to double check, but I think it is the longest episode of the season uh, by about a minute. Uh, over a couple of other episodes but that extra eight minutes uh, a large chunk of that is given over to Job and Michael for some reason uh, in the middle of this kind of George Senior episode uh, the summary as follows uh, on the DVD menu is George Senior's new business hits a rough patch and he must bribe a politician to get his scam back on track and joining me to talk about this today is Jordan Sam hello Jordan hello and um, you know obviously this episode kind of mostly focuses on George Sr., but uh, in truth, half of the story is kind of given over to Oscar. Uh, as with the first episode of George Sr., um, you know, there is this this transformation that has gone on where um, Oscar has become the powerful of the two brothers and George Sr. has become the kind of meeker of the two brothers. And that storyline continues here and kind of reaches its logical conclusion in the on the next um, and there is a minor shout out, I would say, to Transparent, yeah. uh, even though Transparent is a, about a year away from kind of fully happening. Um, but with Jeffrey Tambor in the kind of lead role, you can't really ignore, uh, you know, the kind of shout out that is going on as this episode progresses. Um, and we kind of pick up, um, you know, the, the episodes where we have the first episode for each, um, you know, uh, character generally tend to start without the cold open they they just go straight from the music when you get the second episode for each character and this is something that you know obviously become more noticeable as the season goes on you have a little bit of kind of um you know a pre-titles thing where they they kind of pick up where the character was to kind of get you back into uh, you know the frame of mind for the different characters and here we find out you know uh, from from the end of the previous George episode, Lucille is telling what she believes to be George Senior uh, the idea that basically they're going to build a wall uh, to, to separate the US and Mexico, which in 2013 sounded like a crazy idea that no politician in their right mind would ever support. Again. Um, <laughs> obviously <laughs> things have slightly moved on there is actually a very kind of there's a reference to the border fence that george um that george w bush built because um later on um job will mention that they haven't put up the the ribbon <laughs> the border uh, like ribbon the border yes. ribbon <laughs> which kind of is a bit of a poking fun at the fact that you know George W. Bush started this border fence and basically in places it was never completed and it ended up costing millions and it was just completely ineffective. Um, and obviously, you know, in, on in the world of the blues, it is it is a border ribbon because that's just about as effective as a border wall would particularly be in this case. Um, and we get introduced here to the first time for the first time someone who has actually been mentioned in previous episodes, which is Herbert Love, played here by Terry Crews. Um, you know, who obviously <laughs> everyone knows now from Brooklyn Nine Nine, 
But I think at this particular point, um, he'd been in a few Adam Sandler films, and obviously people might have known him from Idiocracy. Obviously, in real life, he was a former uh, American football player. Um, and interestingly enough, um, obviously, you know, he, re- he retired like in 1997. So it's almost 20 years now that he, he's kind of retired. Oh. I first saw him on um, Everybody Hates Chris, uh, playing the dad of, uh, of Chris Rock. I didn't know he was on that. Huh. Yeah, that's that's where I first saw him. When I see Terry Crews, that's what I think is I think everybody hates Chris. Um, uh, he played he played a Chris Rock's dad who was famously stingy. So like you know, whenever the lights were turned on, he'd say something like, "That's eight cents worth of electricity" and stuff like that. And um, you know, it's I I really like that show. I think it kind of came to an end a bit prematurely. Um, but you know, uh, here he is playing Herbert Love. Who is <laughs> sorry? Quite I just, obviously, I just want to double yes. check. He was also in a bunch of uh, rather funny uh, Old Spice commercials. I think people might notice him from too, like the ones where he yes. just basically was wild and bombastic and bashing through walls and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, although do you know what those didn't air over here? Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. I'm, like I think they only aired in the states. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so I I wouldn't have ever seen him in those. But he, I mean, he, you know, he's also been in a few films like uh, you know White Chicks and yeah. And uh, and uh, the Expendables, obviously, um, you know, this, uh, he's he's had you know a kind of an odd career if you think about it. Um, and the character of Herbert Love introduced here is oh, a direct reference to Herman Cain, yeah. um, which you know I think Herman Cain was best known for his nonsensical tax plan <laughs> yeah. uh, during the uh, <laughs> during the twenty twelve elections, which kind of makes sense with the. High, high, or uh, the hello to the high low <laughs> plan <laughs> yeah. they've got going on here. Uh, we well, let's. I mean, you know, obviously George Senior. Um, he gets to this this particular fundraiser, um, and he's looking to meet with Herbert Love. Um, and uh, I like as well how he says, um, you know, if you support the wall, I'll give you a piece of the action. And Herbert Love turns that into Action Jackson, and he <laughs> says, you know, what do I look like, Carl Weathers to you? Uh, you know, obviously a, a Carl Weathers. Uh, shout out there um, and <laughs> the Herbert Love tax plan yes he says um, my name is Herbert Love and I want you to say hi low to my low high tax plan and then he says low is for low taxes and who doesn't want low taxes for people who make a high income and then he's like and who doesn't want to have a high income you know it's high low high low and then and then the I'm words the high and low go. swap <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> I don't, it's just such a. I I love the fact that it's so completely nonsensical because, of course, you know the centerpiece of Herman Cain's tax plan was the nine 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 tax plan. I love how like the video website, which isn't named YouTube, I think it's like Poliv Videos or something like that, even has yeah. it has it marked under the title latest Herbert Love uh, spot seems like bad campaign ad pot parody. <laughs> like they're even calling it out in the show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like in universe uh, yeah. before, like what the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the nine 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 plan was, um, you know, originally called the optimal tax plan, uh, apparently, but Herman Cain rejected that, and he just said it's the nine 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 plan, um, you know, saying that it would be nine percent um, personal tax income, nine percent federal sales tax, and nine percent corporate tax, and you know, most people scored it at basically you know, completely ruining the economy, <laughs> um, you know, like putting basically cutting taxes by so much that, 
you know, it, it ended up kind of being such a huge burden. Nobody could kind of support it. And it was kind of taken apart. And then he came up with the Solutions Revolution, which, again, did not make any sense. And these kind of nonsensical phrases, Terry Crews is doing a really good kind of walking a really fine line of portraying a politician who, you know, is kind of too stupid to realize how stupid he's being, but also a politician who's savvy enough to kind of exploit this. Um and you know, I I kind of I just love Terry Crews' kind of performance here. Yeah. Um, particularly when he he asks, "Do I look like someone who eats at CW Swappigans?" <laughs> uh, you know, a reference a reference to the the bartering restaurant that has appeared the Lindsay and Tobias episodes earlier in the season. And <laughs> I like how he has a list of things, and he goes, <laughs> "Number one, he wants to get." Barack Hussein Obama Wama Karma Mama on your llama out of office. On a llama out of office. <laughs> yeah. And in 2013, Barack Obama had already been, you know, re-elected and he was going to be out of office anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, three years later, you didn't need to get him out of office. He was already term limited. Um, and then, of course, you know, he says low taxes for high income earners. That is low high plan. And of course, I love how George Senior goes, I know it. Um, and then he's he's looking for a third option. Um, and, you know, he, he says that he's fond of redheads and greenbacks. Um, and, and, you know, I just I like how he he's talking about how, you know, he had a, a third point. But when he unveiled it, it wasn't popular. So he's he's just still looking for something. And obviously, you know, um, George Senior wants it to be building a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, again, a crazy idea that, en- that no politician would would back. Yeah. Uh, you know, the building of a wall on the on the southern border. Um, so <laughs> and we get to see a little bit of you know the previous episode where Oscar visited Lucille, and I like here the kind of meta joke of them fast forwarding through yeah, lovemaking because it was too graphic for American television. But I don't see yeah. too many jump cuts in that fast forward. No, no. <laughs> Obviously, the narrator says the lovemaking was intense and beautiful, and of course we get to I think a, a kind of a callback to the cabin show. Uh, Lucille slaps Oscar over a misunderstanding, and he says, "No, no. I mean, it's good to be out of the sweaty old hot box at the compound." Yeah, which Aww. is you know a callback to the musty old claptrap. Yeah. Um and and you know this is where we get you know the kind of the classic misunderstanding of our son where um Lucille had at the end of the pre you know this comes kind of from the on the next um at the end of the previous George episode where Lucille was explaining the plan of building the wall and you know all that kind of stuff and here she suggests sending uh their son you know, down to uh, to Mexico, and of course, Oscar goes Buster, and we get a little tiny bit of the uh, yeah, the, the music. little music that they've always. I I love that because it's always got that wistful, far away look. Like it's just like one of those things. Where it's like I want to tell him, but I can't. You know, Lucille means Job, and I like how Oscar's like, oh yeah, yeah, fine, send him down there. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's you like know. Buster would would break down there. He couldn't handle it, and. and... It's like, oh, Joe, 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 yeah, he can go. Now, George Sr., his issue in this episode, he has two kind of um, through lines, uh, one of which is he's struggling to find money to pay uh, Herbert Love off. Yeah. And the other is something that we'll get to once we, we get to the reintroduction of Dr. Norman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, <laughs> I like as well how George Sr. has been having trouble kind of um, pitching... Uh, you know the the the, the um, you know the idea of of what the, the retreat is, 
and mm. kind of not able to kind of get people to pay him. And you know, we saw the kind of the tactic of of um, of having <laughs> of having Oscar go into the sweat lodge, and then George kind of turn up completely fresh at the uh, post after the sweat lodge to kind of take money from people by charging them thousands of pounds for lemonade. Um, and at the at the because <laughs> there was like what two people with bottles of water yeah in the last one <laughs> yeah George Senior is no longer as assertive as he needs to be um, and I like here how when George Senior bumps into Lindsay who is you know wearing a a red wig mm-hmm. um, you know something which will come back at the end of the episode um, and you know it, when Herbert Love says he likes redheads and green backs that hints at what's going on in Lindsay's second episode. Um, and, you know, George Senior, I like it where, you know, he says, uh, you know, I haven't se- I've wanted to contact you every day since May. And she goes, you haven't seen me since January. And I like how he's like, well, you know, the first four months I was in denial. <laughs> and I just, I just kind of love that how quickly he can cover even in and even in this kind of weaker state, he can still kind of cover uh, really quickly. Old habits uh, die hard. <laughs> uh, and Lindsay says here that, you know, um, He's got she's got fifty thousand dollars from Lucille that was meant for maybe to have plastic surgery, um, you know. Did, and I like. Did, was it an earlier episode where we actually find what that Chuck actually is from? Uh, maybe this oh. episode's not until later. Okay. So we, we don't we don't find out until later on in in the show what the intention of that was. Basically, it's connected to um, <laughs> yeah. the the reason that Lucille has the money is because of Gangy Four, mm-hmm. basically. Um, but yeah, and you know, I, I like how Judge Senior takes the check and you know says he's going to put it into a trust fund that she can't open until she's twenty one. Of course, at this point, maybe is way no, over twenty one, <laughs> so she could just you know neither oh, wait, of them know her age. Call her Maisie. Yeah, he, yeah, and when and when Lindsay called him out, he's like, "Well, don't you think Maisie's a cuter name?" Like again, <laughs> yeah. still still quickly covering himself. Any chance. And I like how when he tweaks her nose, he says, if you have any more work done, your cartilage is going to collapse. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, he adjusts her nose, kind of putting it back into shape. Um, and then he, he goes and gives the check to Herbert Love. And, of course, Herbert Love says, I'm going to put this on my wall. <laughs> uh, kind of hinting to his uh, his manager, you know, that, that, that this is the third issue that they're going to now, uh, they're going to now do. Uh, we get a hint towards George Michael's episode as the as George Senior leaves and there's an explosion and lights flicker and alarms go off. And then the next day we see that Herbert Love has indeed decided to back building a wall between uh, the US and Mexico. Which, you know, of course, <laughs> at this particular point is going to be helpful for George Senior. Um, but uh, as he arrives back at the at the land that Oscar owns, he finds out that it's actually not going to be that useful. Um, and I like here how, you know, he's happy. Um, and so he starts singing All You Need Is Smiles. Yeah, it was a great callback. It's such a, yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, he's, driving, he o- he's reach... driving Oscar's trailer too, or RV, right? Like that's what he yes. borrowed. Yeah, his humble trailer. Uh, yeah, he, he took that ac- across the border. <laughs> um, and as, as, they, as they get there, as they get back to... Um, Oscar's land. George Senior finds out that actually the land is on the other side, and it's actually in Mexico. Um, and I love this joke when George Senior is like, he goes, "I'm in Mexico over here," and then he goes to step back into the US, <laughs> and the surveyors stop him and go, yeah. "We're going to need to see a passport, <laughs> sir." <laughs> 
like so like they like I think they like made so that means that they let him cross in the in the RV at some point or does the road just go past the line at some point I, I, I that part I wasn't sure is like how he got on that side to begin with I think he's already stopped the RV before he's got into Mexico because obviously the surveyors are there aren't they so he yeah. stopped before the border and then he steps over the border and then when he tries yeah. to step back <laughs> they they won't let him and of course <laughs> You know, this is where George Senior starts saying, "You're really hurting my fe- yeah. feelings." And then, of course, we get uh, he goes to, goes yeah, to Ron, hug, and he's like, "No." Like hugging. Ron Howard's like George Senior was used to making people disappoint him, uh, pay for it, or something like that. Like uh, yeah. saying, "There's a pause," and then he breaks down crying. He's like, "You really hurt my feelings," and and it goes going on with what's the through line. Like you said, we're gonna find out with Doctor Norman. And uh, you know, George Senior obviously <laughs> he finds out that everything's in Mexico. And I love how we get a very brief scene of, of Barry here, uh, Henry Winkler returning once more as Barry Suckercorn, where he says on his business cards, Si habla español, which I think means I speak Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. But he says right after it, I do not speak Spanish. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. And I love this, you know, like kind of the, uh, the, the pun where, um, you know, the narrator says, unfortunately, Oscar missed the signs, um, you know, and we see two years earlier, Dr. Norman, China Garden and Oscar are burning the signs. And Heartfire. That are written in Spanish. Yeah, and Heartfire. Um, and Heartfire is the only one who knows the truth. But, uh, you know, their they're singing is so loud, no one could hear her thoughts, the narrator tells us. Um, <laughs> and I have to say that Heartfire is one of my favorite, like, side characters in this season. I it's not just because of like they do some really nice like you know little jokes with the with the subtitles and stuff like that but they actually do physical jokes with the subtitles where like there's sometimes when she's moving and the subtitles actually move with her so it looks like there's supposed yeah. to be text just floating in front of her whenever she's thinking and <laughs> yeah. I love I love when people do jokes like that like in uh the movie Imposters when uh uh I think it's Oliver Platt is like hiding under the bed and the guys talk and uh, Tony Schlub's like talking to the, you know, the uh, his allies in in a language, and he's like under there, like com- completely confused. And the, they're subtitling it for the people in the audience. And then he looks over to the to the left, and there's a mirror that's on the floor, and in the mirror you can see the subtitles. And so he's just reading the subtitles that are being said. <laughs> like I don't know why, but just those little like meta jokes about subtitles always get gets me. And here we have, you know, Karen uh, Mariyama as China Garden, Marilyn Raskov returning, of course, as Heartfire, and uh, John Slattery once again as Dr. Norman. Uh, and, you know, we've gone this far into the episode, and I should say, you know, obviously um, the differences between, you know, what George Sr. has become and what Oscar has become, um, you know, obviously Jeffrey Tambor, you know, a great actor, uh, should go without saying, and he is doing a really good job of playing the different version of George Sr. that's, you know, you would say is kind of more Oscar-like and the, you know, the version of Oscar that is now more George-like. But within both of them, there is still an element of the old character. Yeah. And it's not just... He hasn't just, like, taken the performances and flipped them. He's actually kind of subtly changed them so that Oscar is still Oscar. Yeah. Uh, you know, he still has concern for Buster and all that kind of stuff. But he's he's more assertive, and you know George Senior is obviously kind of like yeah, the opposite. It, it, it's a really good, like a really good thing. Like you can actually, like you can actually imagine that it is like Oscar is is changing to uh, a more assertive and stuff like. Like you said, like it's not that he just flipped him. He didn't just make Oscar start being George uh, in manners and personality. It's it, he actually makes it seem very much that it's Oscar 
with more assertiveness that's common to George, but not, but it's as Oscar doing it. Like he does a really good job of portraying that. Um, and I love here how we get, um, you know, Barry suggesting that, you know, Herbert Love needs to kind of flip flop. We find out that he'd actually tried to get this to happen. And Herbert Love says it's 40 for the flip, 40 for the, the for the flip. Sorry, 40 for the flip, 40 for the flop. And it's going to cause a flap. So I'd say another 40. And then he goes, so it's a flat 40, 40, 40, flip, flop, flap fee. It's just like, it's, and Terry, Terry Crews delivers that a lot better than I do. And, you know, this is where we, we find out, you know, that Barry then suggests they need to find someone to influence um, Herbert Love. You know, that that's all we kind of get of, of Barry as well. You know, it's just this one kind of phone call. Um, and, but you know what? Um, I love how in this scene, it actually kind of calls back to something a little bit earlier with uh, him and Bob Blah Blah. Like, remember when he was at the gate and was like saying, I can't reach it. You know, like they, they yeah. showed him there and he's buying a stepladder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like a little subtle joke to, to the kind of the previous Yeah. And time then like when seen. he gets off the phone, which, which again, I love like when he says like, uh, he's like when George Sr. gets off, he's like, bye, love you. And he's like, love you too. And they just hang up on each other. And he turns to the cashier. He's like, just cash, no receipt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, of course, this is where Job, you know, turns up in his limo. Um, and we kind of get the intersection here of, of Job's storyline, um, which, you know, we won't really get the full extent of until we get to uh, Colony Collapse. Yeah. You know, that's when we really get the kind of what's going on with Job. Um, and, <laughs> you know... Um, <laughs> I like when when he says, you know, he turns up and he's like, um, you know, father and saying hello, father. And he's like, um, you know, <laughs> don't call me that, um, you know, even though, you know, when Oscar has been with Lucille, he's like, call me father B. And, you know, that's something that, that uh, George has also been saying as well. So it's just this weird thing of him not wanting to be called father by Job. And it probably doesn't have to do with the kind of the scam, just the fact that he doesn't want to be called father by Job. Yeah, he um, doesn't want them you know. thinking he raised a limo driver. <laughs> yeah, which I, I, I love, I love that. Um, you know, I also like in the flashback that Oscar thinks that Job has magical abilities. Um, you know, and he believes the magic, which is obviously something that George never believes. George, no. you know, he just thinks it's silly tricks. Um, you know, and this is where we get the mention of the border ribbon. He had to go up to San Diego, right, and loop around. He yeah, said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was starting to think maybe Job just doesn't know how to get where he's going and he just kind of went in the, a weird direction. Um, and we get a call back to possibly one of my favourite kind of Job jokes, uh, which is where Job says he's not a limo driver. He is a gentleman honey farmer and all he has in the back of his limo are bees. And of course, George Sr. mishears this as beans and Job says no bees. And then, of course, when he opens the door, all the bees start flying out. And everyone's um, screaming, and... bees! And, <laughs> and Heartfire yeah. is subtitling, I'm allergic and running. You know, this is where we get the explanation of something that is actually real, which is the colony collapse disorder. Yeah. Um, where, you know, the sick bees. Um, and I like how he says they're going to hive because they always hive. And the narrator points out to us that they seek a structure that most resembles a hive, which, of course, in this particular case is the lodges. And uh, so the bees end up going in the lodges and, you know, everyone is basically just running around. But I like that when Oscar shows up as this is going on, he says, hello, brother, thought I'd find you here in a blouse and a beekeeper hat. <laughs> yeah. And 
I guess I just love how they subtly kind of brought in the BK Keeper hat for him to put on so that they could do this. Because there are a couple of scenes where you see two two bodies in the shot. So yeah. the fact that they were able yeah. to use like the beekeeper hat as as a actual you know story element, and also use it so they could do a body double with, <laughs> for uh, George basically arguing with himself in this scene is actually kind of a little yeah. nice touch. Yeah, it is. It's real kind of subtle how it, they end up with it, the hat on there just to kind of help out with the doubling that they do here. Yeah. And obviously, you know, George Senior doesn't want Oscar to be seen with him because. You know, obviously, they, they if they it, it kind of gives away the scam, um, and you know this is where Oscar reveals, and this is a joke that goes back to the very yeah. first frame of the very first episode of this season, that the map that they've been working off was drawn by Buster, yeah. um, to, you know, to which the narrator says Buster had indeed made a map as a cartography student because the class where you got to see naked people and draw them was full. And his map his map of the Mexico border gets a C+. Yeah, it zooms out and it says, great improvement, C+. Oscar finds out the lies where, you know, um, you know he's, he's not living on this property. He, he bought it to, you know, buy a wall. Um, and, you know, he's charging more than $5 for lemonades. And how it, how it keeps going is like, I only told you one little lie. Well, t- t- you know, I was going to share with you two lies. <laughs> Two lies. Yeah. He's like, and then and then he comes to him and I don't think you're charging five dollars for that lemonade. Okay, three lies. But he just keeps <laughs> yeah. adding to it. And of course, they're now waiting for the bees to be got rid of so that they can push the matinee to three o'clock. <laughs> uh, and Oscar has decided, you know, that he's going to leave. And he says, "This is a last you'll see of me before dramatically walking off." And then, of course, <laughs> as is as the same as happens with Michael Bluth. He then has to come back and he goes, I'm just going to use the can for a second. And this is where China Garden... I thought he was going to make a joke about seeing his face in the mirror or something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a funny joke because it's just yeah. like the kind of... It's a pointless kind of, you know, like kind of big walkout followed by a kind of a quick comeback. Um, and of course, China Garden is running around saying there's two Dr. Normans. <laughs> so I'm not sure what's happened to her. We get then kind of the bulk of the the storyline, which, you know, is something that has kind of just been hinted at as the episode has gone on, you know, which is Lucille, when she thinks your senior is returning, obviously he's not returning. You know, it was Oscar who was there the the day before. Um, You know, she thinks he's returning for more sex, basically. Um, And George Senior has been having problems, um, you know, uh, in that particular department. And... Um, he goes to he goes to Doctor Norman, um, and Doctor Norman. I love I love I mean I just love John Slattery in this role because obviously you know on Mad Men he was so kind of like buttoned up and professional and and kind of you know in control and here Doctor Norman is so kind of like laid back and kind of you know mostly high I think for a large portion of the time you know due to the macca he still delivers those lines pretty straight though that's that's what I love about it like he's like yeah. he's obviously on something or or is very chill but he's still still able to just like he the tone he's talking in is still kind of like your friendly neighborhood doctor which is just weird <laughs> i like as well hazy he, he talks about like the hopi indians believe that this spot when manipulated can create sexual feeling <laughs> to which George senior has to say that's my penis <laughs> he goes well you don't have to tell me and then of course he has his watch up and george senior asks why he's checking the second hand and he goes oh this isn't my oh. office <laughs> so you know and obviously there's a little bit of you know kind of questioning about what's been going on in george senior's life and obviously 
you know, when he talks about any pressure, he says, well, I mean, there's some violating federal law stuff that put me in prison for the rest of my life, you know. And, and I just, I kind of like how that's just like normal stuff, um, you know, to, to George Sr. Uh, and of course, uh, I like how Dr. Norman refers to the oxygen mask as the thinking cap as he takes it off. Um, and... Uh, you know, there's a little bit of a joke towards homeopathy here when he talks about, you know, with homeopathy, it's the molecules you didn't ingest. Um, and, you know, I like the kind of questions he asks when he says, any earthquakes in a Chinese restaurant while you were trying to prove something to your mother? <laughs> or Wishes Gone you know, Wrong or is... Amusement Park or slash Carnival Ride amusement <laughs> things that you made that a best yeah. friend could have made an inaccurate wish to or something like that like just just all the kind of yeah. like tv like tv and movie tropes of like bad wishing gone wrong yeah curses hexes spells <laughs> shaman medicine men uh, and then we get a call back to kind of the appearance of marky bark mm-hmm. uh, you know talking about how um you know things will, will that will be good will go bad and you know and people will change place and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and <laughs> and i like how the narrator says out of desperation they turn to western medicine <laughs> yeah and <laughs> i like how this is this is where we get the in, the kind of the intersection of uh, michael's storyline where he says he's going to send him to orange county imaging um which yeah. you know has had some mix-ups with uh, with michael and i like how dr norman writes a script for magazines i also love how like he he points out i saw that medicine after i chewed on some maca do you think it's the maca he's like it's not the maca it's never the maca your body needs the maca <laughs> yeah. yeah uh which obviously suggests that it probably is the maca um, that is doing that, um, and of course, you know, as as George Senior returns to Orange County, I mean, Job goes right past him without even realizing, uh, and he has a prescription for a magazine, uh, and then he goes as the as George Senior says, uh, you know, on his way to debase himself in an MRI machine, um, and you know, he talks to he 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 goes into Orange County, imagine, and you know, he ends up talking to Michael. Uh, and this is where the narrator reveals that, you know, it was Oscar who was um, on the balcony with Lucille too, mm-hmm. and it was Oscar who told him to go to hell. That that's how we end up in the situation where, um, you know, George Senior is here, you know, talking about the plans to to put the wall up, and uh, you know, asking about Herbert Love. Uh, and I like how Michael goes, I know a lot of people, <laughs> which is. You know, he's trying to boast about his new position of being like a, a film producer. Um, and and I think it's kind of funny how he, he kind of he plays up his importance when obviously I don't think he really knows Herbert Love at this particular point in the story. I think even the narrator points it out, like if he had known that it was like going to cause bankruptcy, if he failed, he wouldn't have offered to do it because he didn't know Herbert. George Sr. finally kind of, you know, signs over the release. Uh, and I like how he only signs it over because... You know, he, he knew he was lying to a girl. <laughs> you know, that's kind of like the reason for it. You know, George Senior, he talks about um, how he dry, he cries at the drop of a hat. and um, Like literally, he had, his hat that he was yeah. wearing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that with the rest of development, the kind of turning kind of puns on certain phrases into actual things. Like he, he does cry at the drop of a hat, but that literally means when his hat drops off. Um but also at the drop of a hat as well. Yeah, and some um, and some kids like in a, in a car drove over it, and they saw that hat. 
They saw it. This is where we we're gradually being brought up to date with you know Cinco. Yeah. Um, you know Cinco de Quattro is fast approaching, and you know most of most of George Senior stuff kind of from the past has already taken place, so we're already kind of up to date with George Senior. Um, but we we you know Cinco de Quattro is kind of the the centerpiece of of kind of the second half of the season, and so you know that's where we're we're heading with George Senior. Um, who is looking to kind of get to Herbert Love at, at his speech that he's going to give at Cinco de Cuatro. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I like as well how, you know, Michael, <laughs> he says, Michael signed uh, signed contract in hand, went off to the to show at the Ealing Club, while George Senior, magazine in hand, went off to, and then, you know, it's bleeped. Uh, in an MRI. In a, an MRI machine, yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, which Dr. Norman has said, ride it to climax, which is uh, kind of such a... <laughs> Very specific <laughs> a wording. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we we get back to Lucille. You know, George Sr., uh, you know, kind of explains the situation of what's happening with the land um, and how, um, you know, it's, it's now on the wrong side of the border. Um, and... I like here how Lucille kind of hints at what happened during the fast-forwarded sequence where she starts saying, you know, do you need a little more Marilyn like I did yesterday? Um, And George Sr., of course, you know, doesn't want to be Mr. President. And I like how this prompts Lucille to go, speaking of the president, what's happening with Job? (laughs) And, you know, obviously fired from being, you know, working at the sweat lodge, he is now essentially without a job. And... I like how George Senior calls Michael. Obviously, you know, after giving him the signature, Michael kind of owes him. And Michael answers with the Michael B project. <laughs> um, you know, rather than... And this is kind of something that's happened in previous episodes as well, is nobody wants to use the word Bluth. So they tend to use just B instead. Uh, and obviously, you know, Job has a ton of Bs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I like how, um, you know, we get this kind of, uh, you know... Michael and Job. Job has got a limo with a gigantic crucifix kind of hanging out of it. Um, or a cross, should I say. Um, and I like how the narrator even says, you know, George had imposed on Michael and it was Job who felt he had the cross to bear. <laughs> and we see this giant cross sticking out and both of them are fighting for right of way to get onto the road up to Sudden Valley. And I, I do like, like, uh, this is like right after the conversation. This is right after he had the conversation with with uh, Michael, and George is like, you know, as whether it's producing a film that doesn't get made or selling houses that can't be bought, just give give him a job where his incompetence won't do you know do anyone harm. <laughs> this kind of then we veer off into Job and Michael's episodes, basically. Yeah. Um, although this scene takes place um, kind of after the most recent Michael episode. And after the next Job episode that hasn't we haven't actually seen yet, yeah. um, so it's kind of it's 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 kind of it's furthering the Michael plot, but it's also hinting at what's to come with the Job plot. Um, and I like how when the as the narrator is talking about them reuniting and stuff, the only dialogue between them is Job and <laughs> Michael. Michael, and then as they approach, they're like Job, Michael, Michael. Job, <laughs> and it's just and it just keeps going like that until. You know, Joe points points to you know the the house and says, "I heard you need help moving these memorials to the death of the housing market," and he knocks over the mailbox, which memorializes Pete, Pete the mailman. Plays a little jingle. He says, "Yeah, he bought one too." <laughs> yeah. 
I like how he's pretending that the cross that's stuck in the limousine is is that tribute. But I love as well how he goes, I've just got to figure out how I, how to get it out of the car. If I could just remember how I got it in. Which, of course, hints at the, the forget-me-now kind of hole that he will get stuck in in a later episode. Um, and I like him when Michael asks, you know, is that from your Christian magic act? He goes, if I was Muslim, would you say Muslim magic act? And, of course, this is probably one of the best lines that um, Jason Bateman delivers this season where he goes... No, but it is hard to imagine any Muslim handcuffing himself to a giant glittery cross and living to tell the tale about it. And I love how <laughs> Job's like, yeah. yeah, the Christians aren't so hard about it either. Yeah. And <laughs> like, Job was kind of very defensive and then literally within a sentence he's like admitting it was a bad idea, even for Christians. Um, you know, And this is where both of them kind of try and make out like their life is better than it is. Um, but also, <laughs> this is where... Job moves back into the, you know, the model home um, just by kind mm. of like walking up to it and just deciding that he's going to live in it. And he's like, that's one salt. And it's like he hasn't actually bought it. Um, but, you know, and we get a little bit of kind of like a bit more backstory on Rebel Alley where Ron Howard, you know, um, points out as the narrator that Michael has some details wrong, um, you know, thinking that it's, you know, Ron Howard's girlfriend. And, you know, Ron... It's a, the narrator, I keep wanting to say Ron says, but the narrator isn't really Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah. It's very confusing. He says, Ron's illegitimate daughter was a fact unbeknownst to many. And he goes, a woman who, like Bryce Dallas and Paige Carlisle, was named after where she was conceived. And then, of course, we see Rebel Alley. <laughs> I love this kind of like the shot of, um, uh, you know, the Terrence Malick film. And they have like a close-up of Rebel's eye. Um, and then I just love this kind of this black and white fake Woody Allen film that she's in yeah. where she's just wandering around on the phone talking about the Iceman cometh in this kind of very fake New York accent. And I, I just love that kind of small snippet. And then, of course, once again, we have a Ron Howard film inspired by a photograph, uh, which, of course, is a PSA that uh, Rebels forced to do. And Rebels PSAs will come up more frequently in, in future episodes. And each time the narrator kind of the explanation gets cut shorter and shorter to the point where Rebel just pops up saying, don't do something. And we know that it's a PSA for something that she herself has done, um, you know. And I like how, <laughs> I like how Job wants some guac yeah. and <laughs> and they end up in the model home. And, uh, you know, they find some Mike's Hard <laughs> Lemonade in the cupboards. And, I, I love know, that. Yeah. They, like he's like, he, like Michael Strike, this place is, these places have been abandoned. You know, you're not going to find any food. And he opens up and there's like a full cupboard of Mike's Hard Lemonade. And, and Michael's like, hmm, Lindsay. No, maybe Ty, Tobias. <laughs> yeah. And the narrator corrects them and says, it was John Beard. <laughs> of course, that being a, a shout out to, uh, John Beers to, to entrap a local predator. Yeah. Um, and I I like how Joe breaks part of the counter trying to open the bottle and then says, do you have a bottle opener? Um, and, you know, this is, I mean, this is a fun scene, even though it is a complete diversion from, you know, the main yeah. narrative of what the story is. And, you know, in a, in a network version of this episode, I'm guessing it wouldn't be in this episode at all. Um, you know, it's just this diversion about how Job was confusing Mo Howard with Ron oh, Howard. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, it's worth saying as well, you know, uh, uh, Will Onnet and 
Jason Bateman as brothers. They always worked really well on the on the original show, mm-hmm. and here the kind of chemistry between the two of them is you know is is evident. Um, you know they they are they work so well together and they play off each other so well. Um, you know Michael kind of once again becoming the straight man to Job, kind of being a little bit crazier and kind of you know like the misunderstanding over Mo Howard. He keeps going on about is he going to poke me in the eye and all this kind of stuff. And and um, I find it you know, I find it funny that once again they're ha- uh, the siblings are having a heart attack over over alcohol. It's like the only time Michael yeah. actually opens up to these people is when he's drunk. I, I like as well how we get, you know, Job getting a new sense of purpose and Michael being like, did you have an old one? And he's like, because it just seemed like you were just looking for the easy way out. And Job's like, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of is the is the end of, of like their stories in this episode. Yeah, That's like kind of where it finishes is with Job going to work for Michael once more. There is there is a sh- before like a short mention of Steve Holt when he's talking about how, yes, how he yeah. kind of like uh, and uh, like Michael comes back. I'm talking about a son disappointing the father, and he's like, "Oh well, that's different because he's it's yeah. usually the other way around for him." Yeah, jo- Job. I mean, obviously in Job's episodes later on, we do get a lot more of the Steve Holt relationship. But yeah, when he gets, says Steve Holt, he almost kind of says it like Steve Holt would say it as well. Yeah, he throws an arm up in the air and just says his name. <laughs> um, and we get the reappearance here of Buster. Yeah. Very briefly, um, you know, mostly um, Tony Hale's he's in Lucille's episode for a portion um, and he's in he's got his own episode. I think you see snippets of him in in some of the other ones, but only like I know, like whenever they show this scene of Michael, like basically saying I'm leaving the family for anything like that. And you see him there with his bejeweled hook like they Yes, he's the. But that's more of just like as a background character. Yeah, and apparently that was done kind of like, you know, weeks later or months later and and it was shot by itself and he's not actually in the room with anybody else on some of those shots. Yeah, so, you know, this is one of the very few cases where you have Tony Hale actually interacting with another character in their episode as well Mm. um, because he's not in, uh, up to this point, he hasn't really been in in the, you know, the Michael episodes or the Lindsay episode or the Tobias episode. Um, So this is the first kind of, and we have George Senior driving around in a circle, talking about the wall that he has built. Well, we don't know saying, it's a circle you know, at first. <laughs> well, we don't know it's a circle at first, but it's just driving, and there's just this wall going by the window. Yeah, and Buster is getting dizzier and dizzier, and that is what kind of gives away what's going on. He's dressed, you know, as a soldier. I, and I love this because, like, I was watching another episode, but he puts the binoculars up to his eyes and immediately starts to. Like you know, gag because he's about get so nauseous at that point. Like apparently, driving <laughs> yeah. and looking through binoculars are not a good thing to do. You know, he talks about how it's triple reinforced, and uh, Buster says it's Mexican proof. Yeah. Um, and you know, they finally stop, and Buster goes out and throws up. And as he does that, the narrator points out that George Senior hadn't built miles of wall; he just found a roundabout way of making it seem that way, which in itself, of course, is a play on words yeah. uh, from the narrator. Uh, I don't know what to call the sh- the, the structure exactly it's, uh, itself is. Like, it's just a little round circle, but they're driving around it like a roundabout. So, so Yeah, I think it's... Sh- all they've done is they've put up some Bluth Company signs on this on this um, building that is already round. Yeah. So they're just driving... They haven't built that building. It was just an existing building. They're okay. just driving around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we finally get to what essentially in this episode, you know, and most of the show, you know, is the present, yeah. which is Cinco de Cuatro. And we are one week later and George looks to talk to Herbert Love. Um, 
and you know he runs into Michael, um, and you know Michael has black <laughs> says he's had a terrible week. Uh, you know something obviously that we'll find out later on the episode. Um, you know what's going on with there, and of course Michael talks about how Lucille too he's going to get her against a wall, and um, <laughs> you know there's a, a kind of misunderstanding about exactly you know because Michael had come to the come to the realization that to get the money he needs to have sex with Lucille too so everything he's saying is kind of like a double entendre but George Senior is completely missing uh, what's being said and Lucille too herself is not happy with George Senior because he's donating to Herbert Love Um, and George Senior has as has been happening throughout the episode becoming slightly more emotional and you know Lucille too actually calls him a drama queen Um, and George Senior finally catches up with Dr. Norman um, who of course um, (laughs) he has the results there's the testosterone test yeah (laughs) which he doesn't he doesn't know why um, you know George Senior was masturbating in the MRI (laughs) despite the fact that obviously that was what he instructed him to do Um, and he's like oh he says that that's something I would say with my thinking cap on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and uh, I, this is the point, of course, which Doctor Norman spells it out, which is um, he has no testosterone at all, uh, and yeah. he says he doesn't know the exact range, but somewhere in the baby range. Yeah, um, I, I like that. He's exactly. like, te- he's like, well, how's my testosterone? It's like, oh, the the numbers are off the charts, below the charts, not really low like you you hardly have any (laughs) yeah he doesn't know where to place them on the charts basically (laughs) and he says on the plus side your estrogen levels are that of a very healthy woman in the throes of her menses um and of course you know dr norman's been doing some clearing out so he's thrown away the results um and you know this is basically uh, as the as the episode has gone on obviously george senior has been acting in a more kind of feminine way uh, and you know the whole crying at the drop of a hat and all this is kind of pointed towards this anyway um, and you know we find out that Herbert Love at this point is you know <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's some ransacking that goes on but because of the nature of Cinco de Cuatro yeah. it's hard to tell that that, that is what is going on um, <laughs> and you know they actually start saying put up this wall um, you know but n- not about Herbert Love really but kind of about Herbert Love. It's it's one of those things where people are chanting something and, you know, uh, someone kind of gets carried along with it. Um, as happens a lot with the Blues, where they started <laughs> chanting speech over and over again and didn't know who was going to make a speech. Um, and so, you know, this is where <laughs> uh, George Sr. finds Lindsay's red wig and he puts it on, uh, thus completing his transformation as the episode has been going on um, into a... As the title said, uh, a double crosser. Uh, he has basically cross-dressed by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting that the crowd are chanting, put up this wall, because, of course, it would be nonsensical for a politician to encourage a crowd to chant anything to do with the wall. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It seems crazy that anyone would even suggest that. And that is where the episode ends, with George Sr. putting the wig on, looking in the mirror and saying, this feels right. Mm. Um, and, of course, you know, he had been driving wearing the blouse, um, you know, because it, it hid his arms and he didn't like how his arms looked. Yeah, and, like he's even you know, made comment that he doesn't just feel right. It's like this dysphoria <laughs> thing. <laughs> we've en- we've ended up basically with George Sr. dressing as a woman by the end of the episode. And obviously, you know, uh, it, it would be a while before Transparent came out after this, but I have a feeling that um, given the schedules of how 
um, pilot's work that by this point George Senior would have not George Senior Jeffrey Tambor should yeah. I say uh, would have had the script for Transparent. Uh, I don't think that this kind of storyline has anything to do with like kind of Transparent, and mm. it's it's not kind of a direct call out to it in any way. Though obviously you could mm. read it as that after the show had started. Um, it just is kind of the the writers um, taking this <laughs> this angle of having George Senior who is generally known for being, you know, the kind of more masculine of the two brothers, end up being, you know, the most feminine. Um, and that kind of plays out on the on the next, uh, where we see Lindsay and Michael reuniting. <laughs> um, and, you know, talking about how, you know, it's been a long time and, you know, Michael's been meaning to get down there and they talk about how they're not technically related. It's, it's I don't know why they put that little moment in, but it's kind of funny that it's there. Uh, obviously, in Lindsay's future episode, um, we kind of find out why. Um, and then we see George Sr. in hiding in the penthouse. And when a detective knocks on the door, telling us that Lucille Ostero went missing. So this is actually, in terms of, you know, the, the timeline... This is the furthest ahead that we've ever gone. Yeah, which is to know to know that Lucille Ostero went missing. Just a side note: I am glad that they are trying to do another season because I want. Yeah. Because if I remember correctly, there's not much, like you said. This is the furthest along in the timeline there, so we don't know what went, what like where that is, like where no. Lucille Two is, or like I mean, it's been suggested what happened, but we don't know what what the conclusion or that dangling plot thread is, and I'm hoping they actually will get to that. Now with George Sr. here dressed in the wig and, um, you know, basically dressed as a woman, he says to the detective, I don't allow men in my apartment without my husband present. And that is where the episode ends. Um, you know, so I think, I mean, I don't think that the story of George Sr., you know, ending up in a dress uh, is kind of, you know a comment on anything yeah other than the fact that you know his masculinity has basically completely evaporated and as dr norman said you know he has a ton of estrogen and and you know that is just making him act in a certain kind of stereotypical kind of you know ways that people think women act mm. and you know uh, in terms of the character it still it still feels like george bluth like we said jeffrey tambor is you know such a good actor that he kind of makes this this transformation work, um, but it just feels like George Bluth kind of hiding, yeah. rather than act- George Bluth kind of actually doing anything towards the direction of kind of transitioning to be a woman or anything like that. Yeah, it's just kind of him hiding from the law once more, basically. <laughs> um, you know, something that he's done many times in with it throughout the kind of history of the show. You know, he's every season up until this point had finished with him on the run. <laughs> you know trying to get away from you know either breaking out of prison or kind of leaving you know running away from the model home yeah and didn't and i think this one started with him on the same boat that michael and george michael were on running from the law so yeah so he's basically he's basically always on the run and so you know the idea that eventually he would end up back at the what is essentially the abandoned you know as we'll find out once we get to lucille's episode you know the empty um you know uh, penthouse and he's kind of hiding out there dressed as a woman. Like, it just feels like another way that he's on the run and trying to, you know, hide, um, you know, as he did by hiding, you know, 
basically looking like uh, Saddam Hussein when he had the beard and everything kind of in that hole. You know, like he's always tried to find a way to hide himself. If he was in the attic or, you know, if he was kind of, um, you know, under house arrest in the penthouse, he's always been trying to get away from his responsibilities. And and this doesn't feel like a kind of comment on anything specifically. It just feels like George Sr., you know, putting a dress on and a wig on and finding that as the easiest way to hide from anyone who's trying to find him. It's 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 an it's an odd thing. I mean, like I I do I do think at least he he does he does like I like, like you were saying like Jeffrey Tambor does a really good job of making you think that it's it's George Bluth no matter what he's doing, you know what whether the personality is flipped or whatever, and it's just and like you said it's more like George Bluth kind of just working with what he what what he feels and is do, doing right now, and of course if that means that he can use that to his advantage to hide from the police. Well, that's probably what he's going to do with it. it. It also, you know, with this being the furthest ahead that the show goes, um, it it also fits with the idea that we finish each season with George Senior in hiding or yeah. on the run. You know, so it, it's it's odd that we're kind of like only six episodes in, but essentially that is the end of the season. Yeah, is that's where George Senior is. So, and it kind of works as as with you know the previous um, you know the previous seasons. So, um, you know, I I. I it's personally i think you know this episode has a bit of a bad reputation because you know when a lot of sites um you know when this when the show first came out and people did a lot of kind of like binge watches and stuff <laughs> this was the episode that people kind of got stuck on uh you know what with it being you know what turns out to be the longest episode of the season people felt like there's a lot of stuff that could have been cut out of this episode you know i think the stuff with job and michael is great but you know it's 5 minutes of an episode that you could easily lose and it would really kind of tighten it up and make it feel a bit more like one of the, you know, one of the Fox episodes rather than, you know, feel like it kind of is dragging out. Yeah. Um, you know, and the kind of the long run times is one of the things that people, even as they kind of binged it, were like this, you know, the show was originally meant to be, you know, 12 episodes. So it was already three episodes longer. And then every episode was, you know, uh, six to kind of, 10 minutes longer than a normal episode so it felt like there was a lot more rest development than people wanted but also that it maybe could have if it had been 12 episodes and those 12 episodes had each been 22 minutes it feels like that would have been you know something that people were looking for uh, me personally, I like I like the fact that the episodes are long. You know, I don't mind having more Arrested Development. You know, yeah, like obviously, like I like you said, like I I mean it. It feels weird that like this, you know, with a series that they came that came back because of uh, fans wanting more and stuff like that, and their complaint is that the episode itself is too long. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a little odd. Like I mean, I could understand if the whole if the whole format changed from a half hour to an hour that that might feel really different. But then again, yeah. you know, it just seems it seems odd to complain like oh it's 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 not twenty two minutes anymore. Like that, I mean, yeah. Other th- other than like I can understand people's uh you know time and effort that they have to do for 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 like you know when they have time to watch in, uh, videos or anything like that, but it still seems like a odd minor point to complain about. You know this is this is and all of this kind of builds towards the the main storyline that kind of kicks in after this episode, 
which is all about the kind of the stuff surrounding Lucille too and her running for office. And, you know, this is where that kind of storyline starts to come in. And, you know, that kind of is the spine for the rest of the show. So, you know, there's a lot of kind of important elements introduced here. Um, and of course, you know, we haven't really mentioned her, but Jessica Walters as Lucille, of course, mostly she's delivering um, exposition in this episode, but she is, you know, she's wonderful as ever. Um, yeah. Uh, so I feel... I feel like we've said as much about this episode as we possibly can, Jordan. So uh, have you got anything you wish to plug? Sure. I'm on a uh, rewatch podcast called War and Beast, where we rewatch the 90s cartoon uh, Beast Wars Transformers. By the time this probably goes up, we actually will probably have been finished with it. Like we've gotten, we're almost done with the third season. Uh, but we are planning on because the they tried to make a season like a series afterward called Beast Machines. We're pro we're definitely going to be doing that though. We might take a small break to do things like the 1985's Transformers movie, things like that. And that's all part of uh, a network called Audio Entropy. Where so either you know you can search our name on iTunes Warren Beast or search for Audio Entropy and you can find a whole bunch of uh, great podcasts there. If you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook at um, I've Made a Huge uh, Yeah I've Made a Huge Mistake podcast. I think is what it is on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at a Huge Mistake Pod. Um, I'm also uh, as as this ep- as this episode goes up, I'm also about to start Around the World in a Day on the Prince Track by Track podcast. You can follow that at Prince Podcast um, on Twitter. Uh, which will let you know when all the episodes are going up. I think I'm trying to think who's next on 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 the on the episodes of this season. Uh, I think next time we're going to be covering. I want to say Job, um, with uh, Colony Collapse. Yeah, Colony uh, Collapse. I think it's 407 and then so join us next time for um, you know the continuing adventures of Job. Um, and I think in that one, we will, we will have to get away, get away, go away, go away. Uh, otherwise, thanks for being my guest, Jordan. Oh, I had fun. Thanks for having me. And otherwise, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>